One of my students asked me to do the, a dance today, and I was like, You're a teacher? I, I am a teacher, and I was oh. like, I just, no, no. What do you teach? I teach sixth grade, oh, geography yes. and science. Is that fun or is it terrible? I love it. Good. Because that can be fun or it can be terrible. <laughs> I like it. I, well, I get to teach in a Christian school, so I get to teach Bible in geography and science. Oh. So I have the That's best cool. of all three worlds. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we are in um, Genesis 40. Um, we've been talking about Joseph um, and his time. Uh, a little review um, that we've been going through. Remember, his brothers um, put him in a pit, and then they um, decided to sell him instead of kill him, which is great. And so uh, Joseph was sold to a caravan, and uh, to Midianite caravan, and all the way to Egypt, and Potiphar um, uh, bought him. And he worked in Potiphar's house, pastor said, uh, 11 years um, last week. And so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But 11 years in Potiphar's house, and then Potiphar's wife uh, tried to tempt Joseph and was unable to do so. So Joseph um, ran out. She accused him. Potiphar um, was sad and embarrassed, and so he put Joseph in jail. So that's where we're at tonight. So we're Genesis 40. Okay. Now some time later, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, Egypt's king. And Pharaoh was angry with his officers, the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. He put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard put them in Joseph's care, and he served them. And they continued in custody for some time. And they both dreamed a dream in the same night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison. When Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them, he saw that they were sad and depressed. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were in custody with him in his master's house? Why do you look so dejected and sad today? And they said to him, We have dreamed dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and, and said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine before me, and on the vine were three branches. Then it was as though it budded, its blossoms burst, burst forth, and the clusters of them brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. Then I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will again put Pharaoh's cup into his hand when you were his, as when you were his butler. But think of me when it shall be well with you and show kindness. I beg of you to me and mention to me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For truly I was carried away from the land of the Hebrews by unlawful force. And here too I have done nothing for which they have should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also dreamed, and behold, I had three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket were some of all kinds of baked food for Pharaoh. 
but the birds were eating out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, but will have you beheaded and hung on a tree. The birds will eat your flesh. And on the third day, Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the heads of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler to his butlership, and the butler gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. But the chief butler gave no thought to Joseph, but forgot all about him. What what version was that? Um, NIV. Okay. Do you have something better? No, I use NIV too, but mine didn't read like that at all. I, this was my dad's Bible. And so that's kind of special to me. Uh, I wanted to start with um, the very first verse of Genesis 40. It says, some time later. So we know that at this time, Joseph has been in prison for a little while. And he, the, the officers, the guards, had put him in charge of the people that were there. And as I was studying this, I always thought in my mind it was a prison, uh, not a good place, a, a, a yucky place. And it may have been to an extent in Egypt. But as we'll bring it up in just a little bit, I found that it was in the house of, I'll I'll pull it out in a minute. But the place wasn't horrible. He was in a place that were for the important officers that had been penalized or in trouble from Pharaoh. So the chief baker and cupbearer were there. They were in trouble, so they weren't, went to the house of um, the guard. And this was important that God had placed Joseph in this spot because the chief cupbearer was the one that had the Pharaoh's ear. So here, even now, even though Joseph is in prison, God has placed him in the place that he needed him for later. And then I wanted to bring up that we could be in places that we don't particularly like. We're in situations that don't feel good or uncomfortable But that may be exactly where God needs us to take care of whatever he needs from us. Because our life as a Christian is his, and we're here to do his will. And sometimes his will is not what we think it should be. And this I brought up when I thought about that. I thought of Esther when she was in, um, she had to go to the king. And remember Esther, if she had announced, she told was in king's presence without him calling upon her she could have lost her life but he allowed her to come in his presence i'm sure she did not want to necessarily do that remember she told her uncle no i can't do this and she had to pray and fast for it but that was the place that she needed to be to save the jews then i also thought about daniel in um, babylonia Remember Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, went and and took the young, good-looking, wise men of Jerusalem and brought them to New Babylonian, and he set them in place to be trained and um, to be taught of the ways of Babylonia. And um, Daniel didn't want to be in that place. Daniel didn't want to be in a foreign place, 
But he had to be there because, remember, he had to interpret the dreams of the king. He did that a few times in chapter 2 and chapter 4. And he did that by keeping um, another uh, set of people, God's people, um, safe. And so those are just examples that I came up with. And I'm sure that you have examples in your life that it was not comfortable. But later on, you look back and went, that's why I was there. Or that's why I went through that. Did you have anything with that sure, part? Sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, we, uh, we know like Joseph was in a place of desperation. Like he sounded very desperate. <laughs> and he said, remember me, you know. Um, and that's like he was, not that you said it wasn't the ter- most terrible place. That's, that was enlightening to me because I was envisioned it being, you know, a dungeon, like being the worst thing. You hear that word, and that's a, that's a big bad word. <laughs> um, and, uh, but anyways, so um, I think, you know, he was, um, I might pass it back to you because I've got some stuff for later okay. in that verse, in that chapter. But, yeah. but anyways, but that's, I mean, he was definitely desperate in this situation. Yeah. He was in a spot where he didn't want to be and um, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes either. And again, I'm sure we've all been in, in that place or in a spot we don't want to be. Um, and we'll do anything to get out of it. And a lot of times that can be distracting. Um, just wanting to get out of it can be distracting. And, right. you know, and sometimes, um, I mean, as we'll see, in this later on in this chapter, he's he doesn't let that distraction get to him. I th- I feel like because um, he's he's ready, you know, whenever the the moment came. Yes. Um, anyways, I'll pass it back to you for a minute. I found it, so thank you, given me. Uh, it said he was um, in the house of the captain of the guard. They were confined in j- confined in jail for king's prisoners, which were called the house, the captain of the guard, is what I found and realized. I went in, wanted to go into the dreams that he interpreted for the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. When I was researching this, it pulled up how dreams were important to Egyptians. And it was a sign or an oracle that they thought of was from their gods. And so using God using dreams was using a part of their culture for them to understand. You brought in about culture a while back, about how we should know the culture that we're living around. Well, God knew the culture of Egyptians, and so he used that so they would understand how important this was. Um, And it also brought up that dreams were used in the Old Testament, but they weren't really used in the New Testament. The, The only case that it showed, and the only case that I can think of, and I'm, I don't remember everything, of course, was Joseph, when the angel, he had a dream with the angel, um, Jesus's earthly father, about that Mary was going to conceive and give birth to the Lord's son. That's the only place that they mentioned that it, there were dreams in the New Testament, but they happened many times in the Old Testament for um, God to talk to people. And so I thought that was interesting. And so um, when Joseph talks to the chief cupbearer and the baker, he notices that they're depressed. That stood out to me because he's in prison himself. He didn't do the deed that they said he did. And he's concerned about two others that were there. So that to me showed humility. 
And when he says that he could interpret their dreams, he gives credit to God. He doesn't take credit himself. That's a totally different character trait or personality trait that we saw than when he addressed his brothers. Remember when he addressed the brothers and he went to them and told them how awesome his dreams were and how they were going to bow down to him? Even his mom and dad were going to bow, or his dad was going to bow down to him. That's not the same humility. This time, he was humble. I thought that was important to show his character. And then, of course, the dream, lift up your head. I thought, I've never thought of this before, lift up your head. Well, the term or the phrase that I found was that it meant to have your case heard by the king. So in both their dreams, um, lift up your head. They both were going to be heard by the king, which we know that that's what happened. And that one of them was in good favor and the other one was not. And so uh, this is where, when you, you mentioned how Joseph feels down Verse 14, this is the first time recorded that the commentator mentioned um, that Joseph shows discouragement and he asks the chief cupbearer to remember him. And it mentioned, and I've never thought of this before, it mentioned that Joseph asked a man to help him rather than relying on God to help him. And I thought, oh, that kind of hits home really hard. How many times do I try to solve my own problem rather than just wait on the Lord? It's one of those moments where he let the distraction of where he was get in the way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And do you have any oh, sure, sure. So, um, backing up just a, just a hair, he... <clears throat> um, like I said before, he was ready. Even though he was distracted, he was ready to minister wherever he was in those moments. And, um, and then, uh, it's almost like it's foreshadowing the later verse we see in, in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 4.2. It says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. There's more in it, but that's the part I want to focus on is that first half. And um, I hear that a lot. I pray that a lot for people and myself. But it's <clears throat> it's like... He really was living that. He was, you know, he was in the middle of dungeon, middle of possibly death and decay and danger and sadness and everything. And um, but he was still focusing on the Lord and just waiting for his time. And um, he may have got a little too excited. I'm sure he loves us talking about it like this. <laughs> but um, Joseph, you got too excited. Chill, man. No. Um, but he, uh, <clears throat> and I think that's important for us to remember too. But like, be ready. And in season and any season that we're in of life, um, and always listen to the Lord and ready to act on the Holy Spirit's prompting. You know, maybe maybe he had a bad lunch that day, and that was his prompting. It was uh, oh, get me out of here, man! I don't know, um, but he, uh, I don't know. That's that's my take on it. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, but yeah, stay ready. You know, I'm gonna. I'll pass it back to you. I got some for the last verse, but. I also recalled on that same idea that when we try to our, solve our own problems, we want to remember and think about uh, the places where uh, people in the Bible allowed God to take care of things for them themselves. It reminds me of David being in the cave with King Saul. 
Here, David was running from his life from King Saul because King Saul, we know, was not thinking correctly. And that King Saul was looking to kill David. Now, David has placed himself in this cave in a perfect place to kill King Saul. And his men say, it's your time. God's put you in this place. Go do it. It's ready. You should. And David goes with his sword, remember, and he cuts the, and he's going and he gets completely convicted and cuts the corner of Saul's robe, but he doesn't harm Saul, of course. And Saul leaves and David comes out and says, see, I could have done this, but you are the Lord's anointed and I am not supposed to harm you. That's David letting God take care of the issue. And God did take care of the issue for David. So helping me remember the one in the Bible, the people in the Bible, to let them, you know, let God take care of them. It's a new series for the chosen directors to write. Yeah. <laughs> Should be. That'd be cool. Yes. Uh, then it goes into the chief. Um, I'm, I just go down through it, so I'm sorry. Um, it, just the chief baker where he did not have a good interpretation of his dream. Um, and uh, that he was... Um, it said in my Bible that he was hanged, and what I found was that he was impaled. But whatever it was, the lifting of his head really meant this time, the lifting of his head. <laughs> lifting off of his head. Yeah, Re removing of it, yeah. <laughs> and then um, through this, verse 23, the, after the 22, the interpretations of the dreams come true. And the cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh, and the cupbearer forgets Joseph. And I put on here as a question, did God allow the, him to forget so that he could get the credit for reminding uh, the cupbearer? Did God want this to be his miracle to save Joseph, not a man? And so... Um, don't turn to people to help. Wait on the Lord um, to be, remain confident of this. We will see the goodness of the Lord to wait for it. Yeah, and that's um, it's talking about the same verse. You know, it said he was forgotten. Um, and I feel like I need to encourage some of us here tonight, like, stay ready even if you feel forgotten. You know, that can be, like I talked about, that can be a big distraction. Like, um, I don't know, if you've got family or friends that don't, haven't talked to you in a while, or, or maybe, you're, maybe you don't feel seen at the church, you know, maybe there's times where you feel like people don't know you're here, um, and don't let that distract you, you know, from, um, from what the Lord wants to do through you, because <clears throat> um, God hasn't forgotten you, you know, he's not forgotten you, um, I know sometimes we say that, and it's like, yeah, but it's God, it's not someone here, it means so much more if it was a person, you know, but like, do you have to let it you have to almost, it's almost like a little bit of jealousy. Like you have to let yourself get past that. Our, we went to district council last week um, in Oklahoma City on Monday and Tuesday. And uh, Dr. Wooten, our superintendent of the whole state, he, for those of you who don't know how that works, there's, um, we had the pastors in our local body, and then we have another another body of pastors and, and deacons, uh, he, they call or what they call them, bishops, I guess, or elders, I think he calls them, and they're over our state, and there's the same set of people over the entire country, 
um, and all of that, and the general assembly, the general council of the assembly, um, and Dr. Wooten is our superintendent, and he it was he had he gave a sermon about it was directed to the pastors, but I think it was directed to some of us too, where he talks about you know get a ladder and get over it. <laughs> I know it's like, like, okay, fine, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> um, it's hard to hear that, but sometimes you just got to hear it. And um, and I tell myself that a lot whenever I'm in the middle of something, like if I've talked to Kara and I feel down after something we've argued about, because <laughs> um, that happens. Husband and wives argue all the time, and, and that's okay. Um, so, but we, uh, we just ha- I had to think in my head, you know, just, it's okay, just get over it. It's not the end of the world, you know, things happen. Um, big things can happen, um, but you're still here, you know, and um, so, but he's still working out our future, just like the song I was singing the night, if it doesn't make sense or you can't see it, you know, he's still working it out on your behalf. Um, real quick, I want to tell a little story for some of you who <clears throat> haven't told it yet, but we just bought a house in Coweta um, a little more than a month ago, and um, it's been like a year in process, and so we started house hunting. Um, our realtor's name is Caleb. He actually plays guitar with us every once in a while. He's here playing guitar. He's got dark hair and a little mustache. Um, super, super nice guy, very genuine, um, great believer, and a fantastic musician, by the way. But um, he, he was a realtor, so if you need a realtor, shout out to Caleb Archer. He's, he's good. Um, anyways, but he, um, I talked to him a little more than a year ago, like January 2022, so it was before Sayla was born. It's been a while. And we're like, yeah, I think I might buy a house before the summer and try to move in by the end of summer or something, you know, during the summertime. And, and then we started talking about it and thinking about it more. I was like, we're not really ready for that yet. <laughs> um, we're not really ready for that. And... <clears throat> Um, we were so excited and talking to him about it, and then we were just like, no, man, we need to wait. Like, it's just, we just don't feel right about this. As much as we really want it, we don't feel right about this. And um, there was, so we waited a long time, and then eventually Kara got a raise, and that helped us out a lot, because uh, she works at Arvest Bank in South Tulsa. Um, and uh, she got a raise, and that really moved us forward, and then we were like, well, hey, we can do it now. This was um, the end of last year. And, um, and so that really was big for us. And anyways, but we were, um, I'm trying to thought a little bit, by the way, I'm very forgetful. So my mind wanders everywhere else. So every little distraction distracts me. Um, anyways, um, but we, uh, uh, he and I met in like January, February of this year. And we started talking about it a little bit more. Um, and then Kara came with us to meet. We were more serious about it. We were both really, really, really into it. You know, we felt like we could do it. And so we said, okay, let's do it. And so the first day, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, and it had to be the Lord. It really did. Like, there's no other explanation. We, the very first day we looked, like we were, I think we talked to him on like a Thursday. And we started looking for houses on like a Tuesday. Was our first day looking at houses. And like the week, the next week. And whenever we were looking, um, we saw a house the night before. Uh, It was was a fixer-upper. It wasn't bad. You know, we we, we thought about it. Um, We added it to our list. And then we looked at a different house that was a little bit more expensive, but it was a lot bigger. And we were like, okay, let's look at that one, too. It was still a fixer-upper. And then the next morning we woke up. Like, I'm going to check this again. Scrolling through it, and boom, 
oh, this is a nice house, and it's right in our price range, and it's right there. <laughs> the other ones were in, were in Broken Arrow, and um, we really wanted to live here. And so we were looking, and I called him up. I was like, man, this house is, this is great. And, and he called it the realtor of it and found no one, no one had looked at it yet. We'd be the first ones to look at it. So we canceled another listing, went to that house, and then we checked it out and put in an offer that day. <laughs> and the next day it was accepted. So on Wednesday it was accepted, and it was quick turnaround. And um, there's been so many things in my life, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this as a testimony. A lot of times testimonies may be seen as bragging. That's not true. A testimony is meant to encourage people, and that's something I'm learning too. Um, and a lot of times in my life where it's been like, okay, God, we, we want this, we need this, it's like as soon as I've relinquished that control of it, it's like, boom, there it is. Like, how the heck did that happen all the time? <laughs> like, it's great, but it's like, man, I really got to let go of a lot of things, and it just gets better, you know, um, and it happens so much faster. So um, back to Joseph, um, a little bit of that. We had a, lot of, a couple of other issues with the house hunt or with the house purchasing process over that month of time, but it all worked out great. We moved there a couple weeks ago, um, and we're still unloading boxes, so there's so many boxes. <laughs> but um, back to Joseph, though. So um, he waited for a long time, you know. I didn't say how many years. He said like 11 years or something? Yeah, it said he was 11 years with Potiphar, and then we'll find out he'll be two years in jail. Yeah. After that, yeah, even after that moment when he talked to the, interpreted the dreams. Um, so anyways, but it, it can take a while, you know, um, and as soon as you let go, you know, and huh, it's, it's a cliche in Christendom, but let go and let God, you know, it's true. Um, a lot of, those things are cliche for a reason because a lot of times they're the truth. They're just little nuggets of truth right there, and sometimes they're hurt, not hurtful, but sometimes they're impactful and convicting. But that's, that's definitely a true one. Let go and let God. So, and I think, I think he did, but he, did, he tried to do it himself too. So um, anyways, if I had to move on. Sure, I'll read this one if you want me to. Sure. All right. So <clears throat> Pharaoh's dreams. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Yeah, two full years, remember that. He was standing by the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Wow. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been another dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, or you, that's a butler in your, yours, right? Butler. The, the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me, and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he had interpreted them to, to us. 
I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. That's a really distinct interpretation of that one little part, so that he ate them up, and they, they looked like they'd eaten anything. It's going to be totally forgotten. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land. This is a long chapter. To take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there was no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath-Paneah. Does that work? Okay. <laughs> and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. 
Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there were famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel a famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptian, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. Excellent job. Very good. (laughs) Drop the mic. I might, yeah. When I was starting to read this, it talks about how, of course, he had his dreams and he had the the two different dreams. And then it talks about when he woke up, he called on his wise men or magicians to interpret the dreams, but they were unable to. And what I found was they, they believed that God confused, confused the wise men or the magicians. And this is found in the word a few times. In Gideon, um, when his three companies went up against the Midianites, remember that God told him, only take so many, only take so many. And then when they went up there, the 300 trumpets sounded, and the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their own swords. That's an example of confusion that God caused. So I believe that that is possible. And then I, the other part that stood out to me, another part in the beginning, was when it's talking about verse 9 through 13, and the chief butler remembers Joseph because God reminds him of Joseph, that God works in influencing people that are not believers to show his hand, his miracles. There was a time in my life that I was praying for an unsaved loved one. And I, that was all that was important to me at the time. And the Lord showed me that he works in influencing people that are not saved. And he showed me in the word that he will do it. Because at the time I was teaching um, a Bible class and I don't remember exactly everything that was in it. But it was about Goliath. And Goliath and all his army was standing there, remember, against Saul's army. And David's brothers were there, and David went to the brothers, and Goliath's army was there. They were there for a long time. Why? There was no reason for them to be there. They could have easily taken over the Israelite army. There was no problem. And the Lord showed me, and this is me inferring, I know, but at this time, this is what I needed. And we know the word is living and active. He showed me that he kept Goliath there because he wanted David to come. 
And he wanted to have his victory in David with the slingshot. And everybody would know that it was God that delivered him. That's influencing an unbeliever to keeping Goliath there and the soldiers there. And, and then um, God influencing um, I'm sorry, when um, this whole him interpreting the dreams, this is God putting his plan in action for the cupbearer to be recalled from God about Joseph and not Joseph pleading his case. And so that was showing that uh, God works with unbelievers. Do you have anything? Um. So the two years, that's a long time. We talked about that already. Um, to be waiting on a moment. that, And for him, he thought his moment came. He didn't know he got forgotten until, like, how long has this been? Check all these little fives. Oh, my gosh. This has been 740 days. <laughs> is, that, is that 360 times two? Did I get that right? I'm going to do math in here. And that's more than that, isn't it? I don't know what it is. I'm going to give it up. Um, so, um, but yeah, so I'm sure he, now my mind can't get it off. I can't get it on my head how many days that is. But uh, anyways, I'm sure he felt very discouraged and felt, you know, that, he, that it was over. Um, but again, not the distraction, keep him behind. He kept focusing on, on the Lord and kept focusing on what he used. It doesn't say what he did in the meantime. I'm sure he was praying. You know, I'm sure he was still doing the best he can to give the offerings he was supposed to, um, you know, um, and I don't know how that works in prison, you know, um, in, in, in the Old Testament prisons, you don't know how that works. Um, but in verse 16, you know, he, after Pharaoh tells him the dream, or before Pharaoh tells him the dream, he said, can you do it? And he says, no, I can't. I'm sure Pharaoh was like, what? Why are you here? And then he says, but God can do it. So um, God is the miracle worker, so give credit where credit is due. Um, and that's something that, you know, we can all benefit from, and, um, and it's, that's not, you know, um, again, that's like, that's a good way to share test, a short testimony with somebody around you, you know, like, um, you don't have to share your whole life story or a whole five-minute story about how you got your house. You can just say, hey, you know, um, God is, is, God did this little situation, you know, like, oh, that's God. Give credit to God. He did that for me. You know, it wasn't me. You know, those kind of things. Um, and uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. That's okay. You don't have to skip anything. No, but you're good. Um, but um, in verse 38 through and 40, he talks about, he says, after being interpreted and, and talks about what he should do, Pharaoh says, can anyone find anyone like this man in whom is the spirit of God? And um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I wrote it down here, but I wasn't going to talk about it because... I thought about it earlier, and I was like, no, I don't talk about it. That sounds weird. But then I, that thought came again. So I like, I better talk about it. <laughs> um, and you kind of hit it a little bit just a second ago. Um, said, your moment will, my, will not be to lift you up. Your moment will be to turn eyes to God and open minds to him. So your moment's not going to be about doing something for you. You know, it might look like something could happen to you, but that's not the point. Um, and maybe nothing could happen to you, really. It may not be about you. It may be about somebody else. 
Um, there's a Carrie Job song, and you know I, I think about music all the time, obviously. But these said so the words go, "Your kindness leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side." And that quotes Romans two four. Part of that does. Um, and and so be like God, and at all times let your kindness and goodness lead people to Him, not to yourself. So by how kind you can be and how good you can be to people and how tender-hearted you can be, um, the qualities that God is, you know, how loving you can be to people, that's going to draw people, not just to you, but it's going to draw them to you so you can point them back to God and say, this is, I'm not, it's because of me. Um, and it may not be public, like you may not be lifted up, you know, in public and, and you may not be uh, ministering to a world leader, but, but it could be to a, a child while you're serving on a Sunday morning, you know, um, you could be serving someone, you could be talking to a kid, maybe they get really sad about something, maybe something's going on at home, um, and they need a little talking to, to encouragement, you know, a prayer to build them up, um, it could be a, a downcast teen you see at the mall, um, and you talk to them and find out they're contemplating taking their own life, um, and just taking that moment to step out, I talked about this at our, our last church, we had a little, little group we, were, we led, and, um, I said this one last time I was here too. This is a big part of what I think, I guess. My philosophy is like sometimes we like thoughts and prayers are obviously very effective, but sometimes we have to do it too. Like sometimes we may be the answer that someone's seeking. You know, like someone's praying for something and that gut feeling you feel you should do something, that might be the answer to that person's prayer that they've been praying for 100 years, maybe not, but for uh, several months or whatever, you know, they may be praying something and you ask them to say, you have something to give that can impact that person. So, um, you know, faith without works is dead. And that's kind of my idea of what that means is you have faith, but you're not doing anything. You're not acting on it. You know, your faith is not real faith. Oh, sorry, guys, that hits hard, but that's true, I think. You know, we can, we pray and we do these things. We come to church, but if we're not doing things for people, we're not doing enough, you know, and, um, and I'm talking to myself here, y'all, I really am, so, um, and, uh, so listen to the Holy Spirit when the prompting is there, um, I'm going to say a couple more things, I'll pass back to you, um, Colossians 4, 6, it says, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone, and, um, and so that's talking about how you are with people, you know, and, your goodness, your kindness, the things you say are going to sound different because you're a believer. Um, the language that you speak, the words you choose not to say because they're not good words. Um, and then James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's not directed to you guys, I'm just saying it. But, um, but that's like, I feel like if um, we say things and and people that are like God, that draws people to us for us to point people to God. So anyways, that's what he did. That's what Joseph did. He, everything he did was pointed right to God. He's, that was, he started off with that. That's what's so powerful. Like he didn't even do it first and then say it. He started with that. That's, not, that's confidence right there too. Like that's not overconfidence. That is just straight confidence because he was like, you know, God's gonna do this. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and he did it, you know, and... Um, so, anyways, and I think the more, the more we listen to that prompting and the more we act on it, we may get it wrong sometimes. I tell us to our leaders that, that 
people who are singing besides me on our stage, I tell this to them too. I say, if you find the Lord's leading you to say something or do something, do it. You know, you might, it might be the wrong moment. Who cares? You know, you're, you're practicing the presence. I call it practice the presence. You're practicing what, what we're supposed to be doing as leaders, leading people to, to God. And um, so anyways, that's my take on that. Um, so whenever you feel that in your spirit, act on it. Do something about it. That's what he did. I want to add to that, and it goes right along with it. If you'll notice when Joseph, um, when the Pharaoh acknowledged him and said, Joseph, you are second in command and in everything, Joseph took it a little bit further than just interpreting the dreams. He gave him ideas on how to solve the solution, and they were really good ideas, and the Pharaoh saw that. And so I, with the same idea, I thought about that as, A lot of times I need wisdom, I need guidance, I need favor, I need confidence to do things, and God will give that to you. You'll be up against a situation, and you absolutely need an answer. You need the words to say, you need to figure out how to do it. The Lord will give you the words you need. Just like Moses having to go talk to Pharaoh, he said, God, I can't do this. The Lord, will brought, he brought you to it. He'll bring you through it. He'll give you the words to speak. Um, he'll give you the confidence that you need. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the favor. Um, and then just go, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God's wisdom because we're saved. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And, and we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the word says we have the gifts um, the Spirit searches all things and the deep things of God. And so same is what you just mentioned. Um, follow what God's leading, to, leading you to do because he will help you do it. Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time, but um, uh, I think we can probably... Do you have anything else you want to share? Are you good? No, I'm, I'm good. Okay, I think we're good too. Um, so... Uh, I guess, you know, the whole point of this little time, because we've all, we, you and me kind of been in the same avenue, which is pretty cool. We did good. <laughs> People online, we just fist bumped, just so you know. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to transition to a prayer time. Um, are you going to pray, pray for us? Is that okay? Sure, go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us. And that you want to take care of us and that you are the bridge to our Heavenly Father for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can go through each day with confidence and assurance that you are our Heavenly Father. That you see us. That when we don't feel like we are seen, you see us. Lord Jesus, we are asking you to give us the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we need to have to go throughout our day. To not just live, Lord Jesus but to live successfully. Lord Jesus, give us your words and your, your love and your mercy for others so that we can be the, your hands and feet, Lord Jesus, that we can have your words to speak and to lift up and encourage. Lord Jesus, if there is someone that needs you, Lord Jesus, in their heart, Lord Jesus, help us to be an influence to them. Help someone like Ananias came to Saul, Lord Jesus, and spoke into them 
to encourage them, to show them your love and your mercy. Touch our bodies, Lord Jesus. Heal us if we need to be healed, Lord Jesus, in our physical bodies or in our emotional um, spirit. In everything we do, Lord Jesus, help us to please you. In your name we pray. Amen.